You're listening to Pilgrim Walk, where we discuss what it is to be holy in an unholy world. Hello, everyone. This is Rob Pineda, your host here on Pilgrim Walk. Thank you so much for joining me. I hope everyone is doing well. Uh, We are going to begin today our second part of our discussion on the fruit of the Spirit. And the uh, last time we were speaking more about the works of the flesh in verses 19 through 21 of Galatians 5. And today we're going to continue on in that passage and in our discussion. So what I want to do before we do anything is read the scripture again. Uh, It'll be Galatians chapter 5. We're going to start in verse 16. We go all the way to verse 24. I'm going to read it in its entirety just to make sure that we, we've got our minds in the right passage, that we're right where we need to be. All right, so Galatians 5:16. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. So as we read through last time, we went through those works of the flesh. We talked a little bit about what those things are, what they look like and how they can disrupt our sanctification if we're a believer. This time around, we're going to talk about the works of the Spirit. So basically, verses 22 through 24 is what we're going to do today. And we're going to talk just a little bit about some of those things that were brought up uh, in this passage, like love and joy, etc., and talk about what does that mean for us. We're going to discuss a little bit some of the misunderstandings of what some of those things are. But the first thing we have to understand is this. When a person becomes a believer, the Holy Spirit produces in them the traits of godly character. So while a person is still going to sin, a person is still going to make uh, decisions that are not godly, in general, we are developing godly character because the Holy Spirit now lives within us. We're convicted of our sin. We're called to repentance. Now, we don't always practice these godly traits. In order to see these traits operate in our lives, we do have to live a life of constant repentance. Because if we're living in sin, we dull our spiritual senses. 
we sort of push the things of God aside a little bit because we're more concerned with our own happiness and contentment within ourselves. The works of the Spirit are things that determine who we are as a Christian, and not just us individually, but corporately. So let's look at a few of these traits, these characteristics of the fruit of the Spirit. The very first one mentioned is love. So we might as well start there. What in the world is love? Love has been described as so many things over the years. We have an incorrect view, however, of what love actually is. Now, why is that? Why do we view love the way that we do? Well, you know, I just said a few minutes ago that, you know, we want our own happiness and our own contentment, right? The most important thing for most people on this planet is their own happiness, their own comfort. Well, why do we have that view? Well, because we've been told to have a certain view of what it means to be happy and what it means to be comfortable. It's the same thing with love. Most of our understanding of love comes from a very Greco-Roman understanding, a very Greco-Roman idea. We've taken what love is and we've changed it to be something that it's not. So what is love. Love is more than having electric feelings, right? You know what that's like. You get around someone that you quote-unquote love, and, and you have these feelings. You want to be with them every waking moment, and every time you're around them, you just have this increase in emotions and in, even endorphins, right? We have these absolute big, massive feelings. And yet feelings lie. We can't trust our feelings. We have to be very careful when it comes to feelings and emotions. We have to remember that in Jeremiah, it says that the heart is deceptively wicked. John Calvin, theologian from the 17th century, he said that the human heart is a factory of idols. And it's true. We're always making idols for ourselves, things that we want to love, things that we want to do. We, we turn our desires into an idol, and that's what we worship, whatever that thing is. We love our idols. We want them. We desire them. Love, however, true love, biblical love, the way we understand it from Scripture, is about commitment. And that's the key word when we're speaking about love. It's commitment. It's caring and concern for the well-being of others. But the key word is commitment. That is something we just don't see a lot of in our world today. We don't see a lot of Christians actually exhibiting commitment. When Jesus says that we're to love the church, we are to be committed to the church. We are to care for the church. And we are to be concerned for the well-being of the church. Do we exhibit that in our daily lives? How about with our spouses? 
Unfortunately, this Greco-Roman understanding of love, when it's based on feelings and really infatuation and lust, is really what it ends up being uh, in the culture today. That's what love really is. We have lost our ability to be committed because we're so focused on our own happiness and comfort. We're so focused on lust and desire that we're no longer committed to the well-being of someone else. We're only committed to how they make me feel. And it's caused a lot of problems in marriages. And I'm talking about within Christianity. It's caused a lot of problems within marriages. And it's caused problems within our interpersonal relationships with our brothers and sisters at our church, at our churches around the world. We don't know how to love. We, we've bought into the worldly understanding of it. And the world is so skewed and so backwards when it comes to love. Where do we get our messages of what love is in the world? Well, we get it from TV, right? And if you watch enough TV, which I hope you don't watch too much because it's really just some really messed up sinful stuff, they give this idea of love. And, and it's all about falling in love and all these words that we think sound okay and sound biblical, but they're not. Because love is about commitment. It's about self-sacrifice. And that is not what we see in TV and movies. Music is the same thing. Unfortunately, many times, love is always equated with sex. So when we either watch TV or a movie or music especially, it's about sex. It's about sexual relationships. And we've taken sexual relationships and love and made it the same thing. And that's not what it is. Love is about commitment. Novels. That, you know, I remember as a kid... Uh, going to like a grocery store or, or some other store. And, and, you know, you would see those romance novels. And I always would snicker because I always thought that the covers just look so ridiculous. They had some, usually a guy with long hair and his shirt's half hanging off and he's holding on to this woman. It was always weird. And I always snickered. Now, I never read those books, obviously, but I snickered at the pictures, the covers. It wasn't until I got older that I was told what was actually in those novels, the detail of sexuality. And I was stunned. I couldn't believe that was actually in the books in the grocery store. And it is, and they're popular. People are looking for this Greco-Roman love that always leads to so many problems. It always leads to people being hurt and depressed and, and never being fulfilled because they're looking for something that is, just burns away. Our culture has described what love is to us. And it's a skewed, sinful version. It's taken something good and it's turned it around on its head and made it all about you, your feelings, and, and how you what you want, it's not about commitment. It's not about self-sacrifice. It's not about caring and looking out for the well-being of that person, no matter what. Commitment is something that we just sorely lack. And yet, that is what's talked about right here 
in the fruits of the Spirit. When we say love, we are talking about being committed. So what does that mean for the average Christian? It means that we should be loving our brothers and sisters in Christ in a committed way. That doesn't mean you're marrying everybody. Okay, that's different. We are committed to our spouses exclusively. We are exclusive to our spouse. Okay? We, have, we, we are committed in a different way. Uh, the marriage uh, commitment, the marriage covenant um, is something that we only share with our one spouse. Okay? But we are still supposed to be committed and loving our brothers and sisters in Christ because we want the best for them. And we're supposed to be committed to them, our, our friends, our brothers and sisters in Christ, and our spouses, no matter what happens. And that's often the most difficult part because things go south, right? I mean, people are people. We don't always get along with each other. We have disagreements. We're not going to see eye to eye on every issue with our brothers and sisters and with our spouses. But that's what commitment's about. We look past those things. We work through them. We don't just take off. Another area here as we move on that we see in this passage here in Galatians 5 is joy. Now, joy, you know, a lot of these things seem like they could be intertwined with each other, and they really are. That's why I'm just touching briefly on these things, because they are intertwined. They work together. Joy is a sense of, of happiness, and it's, and it's a sense of well-being, and it's related to knowing God and God's actions and love. So joy is that, that general sense of well-being that we have in God. All of these things mentioned in Galatians chapter 5 are attributed to our relationship with God. Can an unbeliever, someone that does not have God, can they experience joy? Well, yes, they can. Unfortunately, oftentimes, what they have, though, is a superficial feeling of joy. The joy mentioned here is a sense of well-being that's connected to God, knowing and trusting God. This is about trust. You can't actually have real joy without God in your life. You just can't. It's always going to be built on shaky ground. Your joy, if you're not a believer, is short-lived. But the joy of a believer is so much more grand in that it lasts. It's something that will take us into eternity and then beyond. It doesn't mean everything is going good in life. Can you still have joy if you're dying, for example? I mean, we're all dying, but what if you have a terminal disease and you know your time is short? Can you still have joy? Well, I've seen plenty of people that have been terminal and they still have joy doesn't mean life is easy. It's hard. They go through painful times. And you know what? Do they still get maybe a little depressed here and there? Yeah, sure they do. I mean, life is difficult. That's why we need other people. But things not going well doesn't mean 
that we can't have joy. And something that's very similar to joy is that is peace. And oftentimes that's what we see with people that are terminal, that are experiencing joy. They do have a peace. Uh, peace is, is a fullness of that joyful well-being. And it's only given by God. You can only have peace, true peace, if it's given by God. Now, some people will live what they call a peaceful life. Usually what that means in a very fleshly, worldly ideas where it's real quiet and no one's around and everything's just going great and wonderful and, and you just feel good. That's not really a lasting peace. Sure, you might feel great at the moment, but it's a peace that, well, it, it just goes as soon as something else happens or you know, a squirrel runs across the yard and you, your eye catches it. I mean, it, it, your peace can be very um, determined on your environment in that case. But this godly peace is something that we only get from God. And that's where, again, things aren't necessarily going good in life. You can still have peace. What if you're living in a war-torn area like what's happening over in Europe? Can you have peace? I mean, that doesn't seem like a very peaceful place. However, you can have peace in Christ, knowing that everything is going to work according to his will, that being in Christ, you know that everything that happens is for God's glory, which means if it's for God's glory, it is for your good. And we can have peace knowing that no matter what happens, we belong to him. We belong to God. Again, it doesn't mean things are going to go well. We oftentimes think everything has to be going well, and then we can experience love, joy, and peace. But that's just not true, and it's not reality. We live in a fallen world. There are going to be a lot of problems. We don't like to hear that. We don't want to believe it. We want to think we can make things better. Well, we might be able to make some things a little more bearable. But are we actually making things better? Well, it's our striving. It's what we want, but it's not necessarily going to always happen. And more often than not, it's not. We might buy ourselves a, a little bit of time where nothing seems to be going wrong for a very, but it's always very short-lived, isn't it? I mean, let's be honest. It's, it goes by fast, and then all of a sudden, you got a whole new set of problems, right? This time of year, everyone's you know doing taxes, for example. Well, yeah, you 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 stress about the having to do them, then you get it done and over with, and you have a little bit of peace from that for at least a year. But it's coming back again the year after that, and the year after that. There's always going to be money problems. There's always going to be health problems. People are going to die that you know and love. It life is going to continue. And it's going to continue in a way where things are not going to necessarily go well because it's a fallen world. We have thorns and thistles. We were told basically that you're going to – really, we should be working till the day we drop. But yet some people, that doesn't bring them any joy or peace at all. But see, our joy and peace doesn't rest in our understanding of trying to make this utopia on earth. That's not going to happen. There's not going to be a utopia that we are able to instigate, it's not going to, people have tried to do that for, for centuries, trying to make this 
you know, this human-made utopia, it's not going to work because there's always going to be problems. Our joy, love, joy, and peace has to rest in God. We have no choice. That's the only way you're going to experience that love, joy, and peace is by resting and trusting in God and in him alone. You can't trust in your own abilities. You can't trust in the government. You can't even trust in other people. You only trust in God. As we look at a couple more of these things here on, on, in Galatians 5, uh, patience. This is big. I, I, I suffer with this at times. Uh, I'm not going to lie. You know, get me on the interstate at certain times of the day, especially, and, and my patience level starts to drop pretty dramatically at times. Um, patience is, is when we bear the, the trials and the pains of life in a calm way. And not just in a calm way, but without complaint. That's the big one, without complaint, right? I mean, does anyone else struggle with that? It also, it's when we hold ourselves back. Okay, it's when we hold ourselves back. It's when we do without. We could take a lot of time going through just patience alone. Because it's something that we are all sorely lacking in, in different areas of our lives. Most of us, we, have, we, we are impatient with certain things. And yet in other areas of our lives, maybe we, we really do have a lot of patience, right? Praise God for those times. But patience is something we could all learn to have more of. And I've heard the whole thing with people saying, well, if you pray for patience, be ready for battle. Because, you know, God is going to uh, help you um, grow that patience in your life. Well, we really do need more patience, friends. It, it's something that will help us in our relationships with other people. And it helps us to glorify God more just in our, our individual lives in general. When we have more patience, we're not letting our peace and joy be stripped from us because we're so fired up. And patience works hand in hand with self-control, which is also on this list. And self-control, it's when we exercise restraint over our desires, over our impulses and emotions. So patience and self-control are, are really intertwined pretty tightly together because it, we have to exercise restraint over our desires and, and impulses and emotions. I mean, we really do. Uh, we are very impulsive as human beings. Some people, when they get really stressed out, they'll do impulse buying, right? They'll go to a store and they just got to buy something. And it, it's usually something that they don't need, usually something worthless, and something that they really shouldn't be spending their money on because they don't have enough money at the moment or they should be saving their money. The reason why we have this problem, though, is because, well, we just don't really understand that uh, we have to have control and patience. You know, self-control, it's all about saying no. People don't like to be told no. Yet, it's something that we need to learn not only to accept, but it's also something that we need to learn to use. We have to learn to say no. When your child is acting up, 
and they're giving you a hard time and and you just want to just give in just because you just don't want to deal with it anymore. It's time to to buck up and you have to say no. When you do want to do impulse buying, impulse shopping, you have to learn to say no. It's okay. It's okay to say no. As a matter of fact, you will save yourself a lot of problems. You ever gone for a job that you just needed a job, and so you go to an interview, and what ends up happening is things are going really well. And then they offer you the job, but you've been thinking about it and praying it, and you really you don't want this job, but you feel like you have to take it. So then you take it, and then you're miserable. What would have happened if you just said no? Now, you might say, yeah, but I really need the money. Right, but if you're praying about something and you know you're getting this inclination to not do that thing that you've just been praying about, and it's really pulling on you to say no to this, and you don't say no, and you do it anyways, I mean, we're kind of bringing on the punishment on ourselves here, aren't we? Yet if we would have just said no, if we just would have said no, would we have possibly spared ourselves from maybe an agonizing time? Now, I understand there are times when, you know, hey, you need the money. You got to do what you have to do. And we have the understanding that this is for, you know, a, a particular time in my life just for now. But sometimes we really have to say no. When your flesh wants to do something, do you have self-control over your flesh? Can you tell your flesh no? When someone wants you to do something that you shouldn't be doing, watch something or listen to something that you know isn't godly, are you saying no? Self-control and patience are pretty big. Patience, just holding back. Just holding back and saying, yeah, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to be patient. I'm not going to rush into something here. We have to back up and reevaluate our lives a little bit. Where are we falling short when it comes to patience and with self-control? These are big things that affect our love, joy, and peace. If you don't have patience and self-control, you are constantly going to be running yourself through the ringer. You're going to constantly have your lives turned upside down all the time simply because we couldn't exhibit patience and self-control. If you struggle with this, I know people say, oh, you shouldn't pay, pray for patience and self-control. I want to encourage you to do it anyways. Does that mean God is going to give you opportunities to be more patient? Maybe. I don't know what God's going to do. I'm not him. He very well could. But why are we so afraid of this? We want to grow in our sanctification. Don't let your happiness and your comfort keep you from becoming a more patient person, exhibiting greater self-control in your life. Don't follow the idol of happiness and comfort. Back up, 
look at where you're deficient in some of these things of the fruits of the Spirit and pray about it and actively pursue it. Actively, consciously pursue it. Don't just say, oh, it'll happen over time. No, make an effort. Fly for it. Fly towards it. When you see the danger, don't be afraid of learning to be patient. Just trust in God. We're going to stop here for today. We will continue on in this Fruits of the Spirit talk, uh, probably one more session. Thank you so much for joining me today. I hope you all are well. And I do ask that you do continue to pray for the situation in the Ukraine uh, and pray for Russia too. Uh, there's a lot of problems because of this happening in Europe, and it's affecting us around the globe. We want to pray for um, resolution of this conflict, and we want to just give God the praise and glory for what he has done in restraining. Thank you so much for joining me. Until next time, have a blessed rest of your day. Thank you again for listening to Pilgrim Walk. For more information, go to our website at gracecm.org.